Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for. continue to rely only on our military in order to achieve the national security objectives that we've set. We've got to have a civilian national security force that's just as powerful, just as strong, just as well-funded. about communism, cultural Marxism, Alinsky, and Islam. Also find very interesting guests, including former CIA agents, authors, and friends. Reza, thank you very, very much for, uh, for contacting us and uh, agreeing to join us here on uh, Stay Mad Radio. 
Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, as promised, with me on the line is uh, our guest, Charles Faddis. Uh, open your mic right now. Charles, welcome back to Stay Mad Radio. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me back. No, that's, that's my pleasure. Uh, our, our pleasure. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna break right into bringing him right on. Yusama, uh, uh, thank you for joining me here on uh, Stay Mad Radio. I really appreciate it. Well, it's my joy to be with you, brother, and I uh, hope and I pray that the Lord will use it tonight. Her name is Janie Johnson. She wrote the book Don't Take My Lemonade Stand. How are you today, Janie? I'm doing great, David. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine. I think this is her now. Uh, is this Addie? I Hello. am here. I'm listening. Um, how, how are you? It's very, very nice to speak with you, finally. Yeah, it surely is. So catch this and much more exciting content on Paymad Radio, Tuesday and Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. If you haven't been listening to Socialism is Not an Option, then you're just another lapdog. And here's why. Let's get together this weekend. Hello, I'm Tesla. Anyway, your call in number is 917-388-497. And we have been listening to Annie from uh, Southern Sense, who's um, who's uh, given us some of the benefit of her wit and wisdom. Socialism is not an option in the round table roundup edition, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we'll be back right after this. Spend your weekends with socialism is not an option. David from Stay Mad Radio. Um, I call in and I wanted to uh, to weigh in on on the the uh, the title of Bag. Man, your your show is right on point, and I, you know it's something I wanted to talk about for a little bit, of, you know, for a while now. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Socialism is not an option. I'm your host, Hessler. You're listening to the American Exceptionalism Edition. And we do have a fantastic show for you today. It's really a good one. It's part two. It's not your daddy's war. Welcome to Socialism is Not an Option, the Hot Topic Edition. I'm your host, Tesla. The entire political process offends me, so... Very, very interesting, folks. Uh, Another call on the line, and it looks like we've got Tony. Tony, is that you? That's me, baby. I'm just looking at your showroom in absolute amazement. Uh, We saw, we were there. I mean, we saw the bullshit that occurred back in the 60s. Man, I feel like I'm going back in in time. Don't you feel that way? Has been co-opted by all the the leftover washout hippies of your generation. That's right. You're absolutely correct. And and their kids are pretty much over. You are old. Yes. Spend your weekends with socialism is not an option. WWWDB 24-7 Internet Talk Radio. All right. We've gotten some promos out of the way. That's all real nice and good. It's always good to get those out of the way. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. If I'm talking really fast, it's because, once again, I've been at the espresso machine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I tell you what. I have a – for those of you who haven't heard – I went over to Williams-Sonoma, and I picked up a fine, super Italian-style espresso machine. Shh, don't tell Obama, because if he knew that I went out and spent money on an espresso machine, he'd be all up in my pocket right now. 
trying to get some of my jack so he can redistribute it to some of those folks who don't have espresso machines. Yeah, I tell you what. I'm wired right now. I've had several cups of espresso, and I don't mean those little cute little dollhouse-style cups that they drink out of at the at the coffee houses. I'm in bowls. I've had soup bowls of espresso today. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. Anyway, I if you don't have a really fine super espresso machine like me, if you have the means, head over to Williams-Sonoma and get one. Because, damn. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Um, what? It's like someone is stabbing me in the throat. Oh, my God. Okay. All right, okay. Let's get this party started. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. And I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones, Ph.D., William and Mary. And today's date, wow, February 1st. 2012 A.D. United States of America Planet Earth Third planet from the sun Now On Tesla's show last week We did a little piece Well he did a little piece on Obama Being served And we're going to follow up Because there have been some developments and I wanted to wait until there were or there are developments before I bring this up on my show. Since Tesla pretty much, when he put it out there, I mean, the whole show, his whole show was a buzz with it. I mean, the topic was was on point, And he had so many participants that it was it was crazy. It was crazy. So we pretty much covered everything that needed to be covered during Tesla's show. But right now got some developments. So let me bring you up to speed for those of you who don't know what's going on in Georgia because there has been a media blackout about it. Obama was served with a, with a subpoena to appear at a hearing last week in Georgia. And it was over his eligibility to appear on the state's ballot. Um, maybe some of you have heard uh, heard about this. Maybe not. Unless you've been watching Fox News, you probably haven't heard about it. Anyway, Obama's attorney, Michael Jablonski, immediately filed a motion to quash the subpoena, which, of course, was denied by the judge, Michael Malia. In his denial, Judge Malia seemed to leave open the possibility of a quash. If if Jabloski had only offered appropriate legal authority and support, the judge asserted that, and I quote, the defendant's motion suggests that no president should be compelled to attend a court hearing. This may be correct, but the defendant has failed to enlighten the court with any legal authority. 
basically what the judge was saying was that uh, just go ahead and, 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 and follow procedure. Dot your I's, cross your T's, go through the motions, and perhaps I'll go ahead and quash this whole thing, and we'll get it out of here. Instead, instead of re- respectfully following procedure, Jablonski went over the judge's head, and he went straight to Secretary of State Brian Kemp with a letter sent the day before the hearings were scheduled. And he argued that the entire matter should be dropped, as it was baseless, costly, and unproductive. Jablonski's letter concluded, and I quote, We await your taking the requested action, and as we do so, we will, of course, suspend further participation in these proceedings, including the hearing scheduled for January 26th. End quote. That was stupid. You go over a sitting judge's head to the Secretary of State and ask him to quash the judge's order and then say to the Secretary of State that, you know what, we're not even going to show up until you either respond by quashing this motion or respond in some other fashion. Imagine if you and I, reactionary Tesla 2020, decided that we weren't going to show up in court and we sent a letter to the state's attorney or the secretary of state saying, you know what, this is all baseless. <laughs> it's all crazy. You know, I, I, I want you to go ahead and, and drop this because it's costly and unproductive. So... I'm just not going to show up in court because, you know, I'm just going to wait for you to get back to me. How do you think that will play out? Now, it's rare that a sitting president has to show up in court or give a deposition or anything like that. Last president to do it was Clinton, but he did it, you know, through video. Obama didn't have to show up in court. He could have sent his representative. It's a short plane ride from D.C. or Chicago or wherever the attorney happens to be to show up in court, do his thing, go through the motions, cite president, and step out. Pretty much the judge was open to dropping the whole matter. But when I've found personally And then when you go over a judge's head and pretty much tell him to go fuck himself, the judge probably isn't going to react favorable to that. No, I don't think so. We await your taking the requested action, dropping this whole thing. And as we do so, We will, of course, suspend further participation in these proceedings. You know, the next time I screw something up so bad that I have to call my personal attorney, I'm going to recommend this form of action. I'm going to recommend that my attorney go over the head of the magistrate or the judge, whoever I have offended, 
and asking to drop the matter because it's baseless and costly and unproductive. If only I had thought of that a few years ago. If only I thought of that when I was driving down I-75 with no license, tags that had been expired for three years, not having a driver's license for 16 years, and driving the whole time. I'm talking, I'm talking about me right now. I drove with no driver's license for 16 years. My driver's license had been suspended in some place in Kentucky for speeding. I didn't pay the fine. My license was suspended. I was busy. And so I drove around in a car that was pretty much unregistered. And because it was unregistered, there was no, um, well, there, well, there was no insurance either. But for 16 years, I drove around with no license. Recently, as recently as 2007, I fixed that problem. But nevertheless, if only if I had been stopped by the cops, which I never was up to that point, I hadn't been for 16 years. Can you imagine? If only I had been stopped, I think I probably could have employed the same tact by telling my attorney – Oh, this is baseless and costly and unproductive. So I'm just not going to show. Frankly, I thought that paying that fine in Kentucky for speeding to get my license back was baseless, costly, and unproductive. So I drove without a driver's license for nearly 16 years. It's a true story. But... Kemp, the Secretary of State, responded to Jablonski's request stating that his office lacked the authority under Georgia law to suspend the hearings and warned Jablonski that if you and your client choose to suspend your participation in the hearings or the proceedings, please understand that you do so at your own peril. What balls this Jablonski had to go over the head of the judge and ask the Secretary of State to quash the hearings? Now, after watching many a court drama on TV, I have come to understand that judges don't take kindly to questioning their authority. At all, under any circumstances, you just don't do it. So, no doubt, the Secretary of State in Georgia and the judge probably golfed a lot. Their wives probably know each other. They've eaten at each other's homes. And Jablonski is just stupid enough to think that even if the Secretary of State of Georgia and the judge were not buddies, that this was going to happen simply because it was the President of the United States. Judges have massive egos. 
what made this guy think this was going to go down the way he wanted to? Jablonski remained true to his word, though. Neither he nor Obama showed up for the January 26th hearing. And I noted last week that Obama was not scheduled to go anywhere near Atlanta on the date of the hearing or at any other time. Although I wondered still, might he be thinking of what's going on in Georgia? According to reports in the blogosphere, the president's schedule on the morning of the 26th was clear. And according to unnamed sources, Obama watched the live feed of the hearings live. Perhaps Obama, as well as the several mainstream media news outlets, I spotted at the hearing because I was there, were merely watching in hopes that the crazy birthers would would really do something crazy or perhaps even unlawful. In fact, though, it was the president himself and his lunatic, stupid defense team who were the ones defying the rule of law. Even in the local jurisdiction in Georgia, the law is the law. But we all know that Obama flaunts the law when it's convenient for him to do so. The mainstream media is in lockstep with Obama, and they reported nothing of these events. In a stunning blackout on a truly historic hearing, one that discussed the eligibility of a sitting president to run for a second term, and more troubling was the fact that the media failed to acknowledge the even more sensational news that the president and his defense attorney snubbed an official subpoena. Today, Anthony Van Iron, on behalf of his client, Georgia resident David Weldon, filed a motion of finding of contempt with the judge. Iron asserts that defendant Obama willfully defied this court's order to appear and testify, and his actions represent a direct threat to the entire judicial branch and the separation of powers between the branches of government. Iron argued that such a declaration cannot go without response from this court and moved that the court refer the matter to the Superior Court of Fulton County for confirmation that the defendant violated administrative rules of procedure and to determine appropriate sanctions. But now... Will we get the opportunity to debate the meaning of subpoena or whether the law even applies to this president? And what would the appropriate action be? Hmm. Something to ponder. Well, while we do that, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. All right. <laughs> How much is too much? Hit me again. Do you know when to say when? Uh, Pelosi's coming over. Uh, make it a double. Studies show that those who overindulge exhibit signs of arrogance. I don't count my drinks because I'm the president. Overconfidence. This is the day we stop the seas from rising. 
Or was it yesterday? The inability to think clearly on one's own. Where, where's my teleprompter? I, I gotta talk to those kindergarten kids. You think you're funny, but no one else does. Let's give the Dalai Lama a, a set of cufflinks and send him out the back door. Uh, Mr. President, let, let's, let's don't do that. I... And a profound inability to listen to others. Lama's funny. You don't know funny. If a friend, relative, or leader of the free world exhibits any of these warning signs, don't let them drive, operate heavy machinery, or sign any important documents. Where, where, where's that health care bill? And consider moderating their alcohol intake it before it's too late. What college do you dream of sending your kids to? Yale, Harvard, Princeton. Forget it. Those are the universities of yesteryear. The school of the future is... COC. Community Organizer College. I'm a graduate, and I just took control of General Motors. And now I'm thinking of taking over Chrysler, too. Maybe. Or selling it to an Italian bicycle company, uh, I think. Want your kids to run a giant company or even an entire industry, like healthcare, banking, or insurance? Enroll him or her at COC Community Organizer College. Do you want your darlings to have trillions? Of, of dollars of, of money to spread around? Apply to Community Organizer College. Our teachings are based on a major breakthrough in education. It's not what you know, it's what people think you know. At COC, Community Organizer College, we don't waste time teaching English, history, math, science, or business management. We teach cool. We teach pompous. We teach teleprompter. Doublespeak, seducing the media. Community Organizer College. Where your kids can learn to run a company or a country. Who knows? Uh, maybe the entire planet. Community Organizer College. <laughs> Capacity is limited. Better act now. For an application, dial 1-800-ACORN-COC. It's not what you know. It's what people think you know. <laughs> Please join the hit squad of dynamic radio hosts on Internet Talk Radio. Starting at 8 p.m., listen to The Situation Report with Dr. C. Robert Jones of Gojo Media. Doc Jones is a retired Marine officer and holds a Ph.D. in history. Come check out his show weeknights from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. From there, stay on board with the 2020 Network. Alternating between G-Ski Rocks and his show, Live and Direct, and David Graham of Stay Mad Radio. Taking you to bedtime with wit and wisdom and class and clarity. Join this nightly tea party family and bring your friends. Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. What to do, 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 do on Friday? Well, keep your internet radio routine with Tesla's great show, Socialism is not an option. The Roundtable Roundup Edition, where you can call in and vent your frustrations from the week. It's an open line discussion where other radio hosts and listeners call in and let us know what's on their mind every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. You know what I like about America? There's so many things, but one of the things that gives me hope that President Obama won't succeed in his efforts to fundamentally transform the United States of America 
and darken our horizon with socialism or Marxism, despite what he was indoctrinated into as a child and practiced as an adult, is that we are a nation of individuals. Indeed, dare I say that we are a nation of badasses. We are a nation of tough guys and ladies. We don't take a lot of crap. For the most part, Americans are not sheep. Oh yeah, every nation has its sheep. The followers. There are those who want to lead, as my father told me. Those who want to follow. And then there are those who want to be left alone. The majority of Americans fit into that category. They simply want to be left alone. And if we're not left alone, they'll be hell to pay for it. This is where Obama has miscalculated. We don't want to be taken care of for the most part. Yeah, there's a certain segment of our collective population that want to be taken care of. But for the most part, we Americans don't want to be taken care of. We don't want to be looked after. Hell, we don't even want people to be fair. We'll we'll handle that. We don't want well let me let me clarify that. We don't want the government to force anybody to be fair to us. We'll handle that on our own. That's what I think America is really all about. And slowly, but hopefully, assuredly, Americans are waking up to one of the many threats opposed posed by the Obama administration. In 2008, conservatives warned America about the danger of electing Barack Obama as president. And those of us who warned America were labeled fear mongers and people like Glenn Beck, Rush Limbaugh, and others were called racist. In 2008, a multitude of Americans wanted to be on the bandwagon of electing our first black president. Conservatives were more concerned with substantive matters like fixing the economy and healing a politically divided nation with a greater divide now existing in the country than ever before because of Obama's election with a lackluster economy, high unemployment, and a clear assault on all American values, all stemming all stemming from Obama and his policies. How ironic is it that the man that many sought or many hoped would be a uniter has openly and brazenly attempted to divide us all along racial lines and socioeconomic lines. It would be easy for me and other conservatives to say, I told you so. In fact, saying I told you so would not address the many issues that have been, well, either exacerbated or created by Obama. Nevertheless, I'll say it. I told you so. Now, another adoring, infatuated Obama constituent has come under the thumb 
of the Obama administration. We've learned that despite support from many, and shamefully so, many Catholic bishops who spoke out in favor of Obamacare and the Catholic Church, well, they've had a change of heart. The church has decided to resist an Obamacare provision that the church sees as a direct attack on religion and the Catholic faith specifically. You know what I'm talking about. Birth control. All of that. This is what you get on a slightly lesser scale than what occurred in Munich during the Hitler regime. Folks thought they were getting the Messiah, getting someone who would right all the wrongs, and they sided with him, and he wound up being the devil incarnate. I'm not suggesting that the president is of that extreme. I'm merely suggesting that be careful what you wish for. Because in a recent article published at The Blaze, the following was reported, and I quote, The Catholic bishops of the United States are reportedly reportedly furious over what they call the literally unconscionable decision by the Obama administration to require that contraceptives be included in virtually all health plans provided by religious-affiliated institutions to their employees. How brazen is that? Can you imagine? In effect, and I quote once more, in effect, the president is saying we have a year to figure out how to violate our consciences, end quote, said Cardinal-designate Timothy M. Dolan, Archbishop of New York and President of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. I mean... Here's the thing. I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right here and now. I love it because when Obama does stupid stuff like this, I mean just idiocy. It's just lacking total common sense. That's just another group of people who are not gonna vote for him. He's lost a whole nother group of voters right here and now. How many of us are Catholic? I'm Episcopalian, so I'm Catholic light. How many Catholics do you think there are here in the United States of America? How many respect the church enough not to vote for Obama this time around if they voted for him the last time? Yeah, it's... It's brazen. It's unconscionable. It's everything that Obama stands for, and I love it because he's just put another nail in his coffin, as it were, metaphorically speaking, Mr. Secret Service Man. The Catholic – oh, once again, and I'm going to quote, the Catholic Church's letter went beyond simply issuing – oppositional rhetoric to the media. Instead, Priest read an open note to congregations across the country, dubbing the administration's take on women's health and religious violations as an attack 
on their faith. In the letter, uh, bishops enlightened what they called an alarming – oh, wait, I quote – an alarming and serious matter, end quote, as their words contended that the federal government has dealt – oh, has, quote, dealt a heavy blow, end quote, to the Catholic population. Now, some of you might say, this is horrible. This is terrible. What's the Obama administration doing? They can't do this. Of course they can't, and they won't. There's beauty here. Just as there is beauty in a hurricane or a storm or watching a deer grazing at the foot of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, of a stream and, and, a, and a croc or a croc or a gator coming out and grabbing him pulling him down under and chowing down. There's beauty in what Obama has done. He has alienated yet another extremely large group of voters. See, some of you see the glass as half empty, and I see it as almost full. Obama has alienated Jews. He's alienated Catholics. He's alienated even Arabs, even even Muslims. Who's left? Pretty soon, all this clown is going to have left is his wife and his two kids and that damn dog. And hell, his wife, she doesn't appear to be inclined to be on his side much anymore anyway. So all he's really got is the kids and the dog. I love it. Now, a lot of you say, boo-hoo. This is another attempt at Obama, of Obama trying to run roughshod over Americans and all of that. When I heard about this, I couldn't help but grin and smile. It was beautiful. Who else? I'm waiting with bated breath at the next group of Americans Obama is going to offend. Rich people, anybody making over $250,000, he's offended us. And I do mean us. He's offended Catholics and Jews and people who cling to religion and guns. Who's next? Pretty soon, all he'll have is his hardcore base and he'll be done. So when we think about this latest assault on good old-fashioned American values, let us be reminded that we are a nation of individuals, of tough guys, who people who don't take any crap, yes, even our bishops, and that Obama will be dealt with in November as a result of this this sort of behavior. Now, a lot of you say, well, you know, they'll just go along with it. You know, there's nothing anybody can do. Imagine, I don't know how many Catholic voters there are, the total number, but I suspect there's a whole bunch. 
enough to sway a couple million votes in somebody else's direction. Now, I don't know if it'll be Romney because Romney is a Mormon. And I don't really understand how Mormonism and Catholicism link up, if they do or not. But all Romney has to do is come out and say, hey, I'm not with that program. He's got a million or so votes in his pocket right here and now. Don't you just love it? As noted in a recent article, the U.S. Catholic bishops have been in an escalating conflict with the president and his and his administration over a number of, of administration efforts to curtail religious freedom in the United States. Among these are the argument the administration is making in federal court, likening opposition to same-sex unions to racial discrimination, and the Obamacare regulation recently issued by the Department of Health and Human Services that require all health insurance plans in the United States to cover sterilizations and artificial contraceptives, including those that induce abortions. Because the Obamacare law also requires all Americans to buy health insurance, the new HHS regulation presents Catholics with the choice of either acting against the law or against the moral teaching of their church. Imagine that. This Obama guy, he's got um he's got pretty big balls. I suppose he thinks that it's just all going to go down the way he wants to. That it's all good. That whatever policies he puts out there, they're going to be followed. He had better be damn careful. Come this November, he should start packing. Mr. Obama, you idiot, start packing your shit. You're done. Just just a couple more of these idiotic edicts. And like the Sarge said from Rapid Fire, you're guaranteed to be out of here. You're going back to Chicago or Indonesia or Hawaii or wherever the hell you came from, and you're done. Just a few more of these idiotic, asinine, divisive policies, and your goose, your proverbial goose, is cooked. That's it. We're going to take one more break, and we'll be right back, and then we'll wrap this up. But first, take a listen to this other clown. Jesse Jackson, suggesting that Governor Jan Brewer finger in Obama's face and Representative Alan West saying get the hell out of the country is dangerous. And even links it to someone shooting an AK-47 rifle in the White House. This is what I think happens when we get older and we pretty much lose our minds. We say some really stupid things. I 
have not yet gotten to the point where I'm old, so old where I really just say really dumb, stupid things like Jimmy Carter and Jesse Jackson and all those other really old men. But I think that once I reach their age, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because it seems to me that the older the older a man becomes, the stupider he becomes. Listen to this complete idiot. And even Martin Bashir, who's not so old, well, listen for yourself. Remember when the president surprised the crowd and even his staff with that Al Green cover two weeks ago? It was good. And such a warm, apolitical moment. How could anyone object to that? I'm not going to compete with Obama in singing because I'm not running for entertainer-in-chief. I'm running for president. Of course. Joining us now, the Reverend Jesse Jackson. Good afternoon, sir. To you, sir. Governors can stick their fingers in the president's face in public. Congressmen call him a liar in the State of the Union address. Presidential candidates refer to him as the food stamps president. One congressman can go as far as telling him, and I'm quoting Alan West, get the hell out of the United States of America. Why do Republicans think this is acceptable behavior in public? Well, uh, they are making money off of it. When uh, Governor Brewer put a finger in his face, her book sales went up. Uh, when uh, Wilson from South Carolina called him liar from the floor of the Congress, he went home and raised $2 million that weekend. Others get more votes when they do that. But demonizing the president is both morally wrong and dangerous. They make the case he's not an American. He was not born here. He's, that's the Donald Trump argument. Uh, he's not a Christian. He's not one of us. He is a food stamp president. Well, the fact is, food stamp is, is morally correct. It helps people who need food assistance. 50% of them are, are white. 24% African-American, 22% of Latino. And so the, the continuous demonization, then somebody shoots an AK-47 in the White House. That's why I say it's dangerous to demonize him and demonize the poor. Uh, it's unacceptable and certainly unnecessary. So I want to go back to your use of the word dangerous. Do you really believe that there may be some kind of terrible outcome as a result of some of the comments that are being made about the President of the United States? Well, ignorance and hatred and violence is in a certain pattern. Uh, John Kennedy was demonized. He's the guy who imposed himself on the South. He, he intervened. They saw an interposition. In the end, this demon was shot. They demonized Dr. King. He was out of his zone, talking about the war in Vietnam. He was out of his capacity. He was disrupting things. And Hoover, the, the FBI director, called him a damn liar. So he became the enemy. Dr. King died a very hated Remember when the president... All right, hold it, hold it, hold it right now. This is a man who... Reverend Ralph Abernathy, arguably Martin Luther King's closest, oldest, and dearest friend, said that he witnessed Jesse Jackson dipping his shirt and his hands in Martin Luther King's blood and smearing it on his shirt to show somehow that he was right there, that he was so close to Dr. King that he got blood all over himself, that he had Martin's blood all over his shirt. This is a man who admitted to working as a waiter and spitting in white folks' food. 
suggesting that someone shot an AK-47 inside the White House and all sorts of other stupid things. First of all, Mr. Jackson, you idiot, and your idiot son, I can't wait until I return to Chicago and just get the chance to walk down Martin Luther King Drive right there in front of Operation Push. And hopefully you'll come out so I can smack you around a little bit and your idiot son. Let me tell you something right now. Governor Jan Brewer did not mention her book. It was the idiot President Barack Hussein Obama who stepped off the plane and couldn't even say hello without mentioning himself in a book suggesting that he was not treated cordially by Jan Brewer right there on the damn tarmac. It's hot as hell on an airport tarmac, even in Chicago, in 20 below weather. Imagine staring on, standing on the tarmac in Arizona, getting off the plane. It's hot as hell. Jet engine noise. Cameras clicking. You approach a sitting governor and immediately start talking about how you were not treated fairly in a book that included just two or three lines about you. How narcissistic is that? No, Mr. Jackson, you imbecile. Jam Brewer's book sales skyrocketed because of the idiocy and narcissism of our dear, beloved, dear leader, Barack Hussein Obama. Damn. Are you kidding me? Let's finish listening to this clown, Jesse. Remember when the president Lewis the Jackson and even his staff with that. Al- Let's see if we can fast forward this silliness. Oh, seven in the White House. That's why I say it's dangerous to demonize him and demonize the poor. Uh, it's unacceptable and certainly unnecessary. So I want to go back to your use of the word dangerous. Do you really believe? And wait a minute, demonizing the poor. By suggesting that the president of the of the United States is the food stamp president, let me tell you something right now. Yes, the majority of the folks who get food stamps are white. And then, as Jesse Jackson correctly stated, blacks and then Latinos, in that order. I would suggest that the majority of the folks who are getting food stamps, having known a few myself would much rather have cash, a paycheck, at the end of the week or biweekly, than to have food stamps. First of all, there are only so much, so many items that you can buy with food stamps. You can't get bleach with it. You can't get uh, paper towels. You can only buy food with it. Most folks would rather have a little bit more freedom than that and earn a paycheck. That's all that Gingrich and others have been saying. Instead of being the food stamp president, why not be the paycheck president? And by being the paycheck president, promote businesses instead of tearing them down. Promote the wealthy, those who create jobs, instead of tearing them down. And these onerous regulations that you are putting out there, Mr. President, 
keeping pretty much stifling economic growth is the reason why we have so many Americans on food stamps. That's what Newt was talking about. It had nothing to do with race or any such thing. Let's move on that there may be some kind of terrible outcome as a result of some of the comments that are being made about the President of the United States? Well, ignorance and hatred and violence is in a certain pattern. Uh, John Kennedy was demonized. He's the guy who imposed himself on the South. He, he intervened. They called it interposition. In the end, this demon was shot. It- all right, all right, all right. Look, look here. John Kennedy was not demonized because of any Southern affiliations. It was a lunatic. We all know that. Do you see how these guys lie and spend things? It's amazing to me, and it's quite annoying at times. If anybody decides they're going to take a shot at Barack Hussein Obama, it's not going to be because he's black. I know this is where these guys are going. I haven't even gotten halfway through this stupidity of a, of a clip before I know exactly where they're going. They're suggesting that this, this, this made-up vitriolic uh, uh, talk is dangerous and that somehow somebody might take a shot at the president. That's what Jesse Jackson is pretty much saying, and Martin Bashir is egging him on. That's stupidity. First of all, I don't think any harm of that kind is going to come to the president, nor should it. I would wish that on no – well, there are a few people, but certainly not the president. And, of course, nothing like that's going to happen. The only harm I wish to come to the president of the United States is maybe he stubs his toe on the way out of the White House, or maybe he trips on the steps on his way down from Air Force One as he steps off of that fine plane for the very last time later on this November. That's it. But I can see where these clowns are going. Even though I was not the king, he was out of his zone, talking about the war in Vietnam. He was out of his capacity, he was disrupting things. And Hoover, the, the FBI director, called him a damn liar. So he became the enemy. Now the king died, a very hated man in America's margins. And so we've seen what demonization can do when somebody feels that you, is, you must get the demon out the way. Uh, and so I don't, I don't uh, disassociate these name calling and labels from somebody with an AK 47 shooting in. The White House and hit a window. Uh, if it one had been on the balcony, it could have been shot and killed, as a matter of fact. So these are very dangerous times, and these tones set the climate. I mean, George Wallace never hit anybody. His, George Wallace set the climate for violence, and, and leaders should be very mindful of the impact of their words. I've seen, sir, that remarkable photograph of you on the day Dr. Martin Luther King was murdered, was shot. Are you saying, sir, and I'm sorry to press you on this, but are you saying that Barack Obama's very safety is being imperiled by the kind of abusive rhetoric that is being directed at him as the president of this country. Absolutely. Ignorance uh, and hatred leads to violence. Uh, and, and that's why this is, and when you go from, when the, when the governor puts her finger in his face, she was making a calculated political statement, and she gained some points from it. But uh, they have the same contempt for the poor. Even the idea of running the sand uh, today, uh, and they're all right. You know, 
53 million Americans, 53 million are food insecure, 50 million are in poverty, 44 million are on food stamps, and 26 million are looking for a job. Why would those who dare be Christian demonize the poor? Jesus born uh, an ethnic minority, in poverty, under a death warrant, uh, uh, in a homeless shelter, and then became an immigrant and a refugee and killed ultimately by the government, one who led the, the uprising of the poor. How can you reconcile your sense of the faith with demonizing the poor? Uh, this is something unholy about this. We should lift our politics. And the good thing about this is, Mr. Mashir, is that in the South, there's a new South here. You couldn't have had Boeing and Toyota and these con companies behind the, the cotton curtain had we not been successful in the civil rights movement. You couldn't have had the Orlando Magic, the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Well, this idiot is talking about basketball and football now. Suggesting that the President of the United States could come to harm because of what? No more harm than came to Ronald Reagan, Abraham Lincoln, um, John F. Kennedy. Uh, I, you know, this was it was bound to get to this point. It was bound to get to this point. Racism. And President Obama's safety is in jeopardy and all of that. I'm surprised it took this long for it to get to this point. Aren't you? Didn't you just know that at some point it was going to get to this point? <laughs> Where they were going to start suggesting that Obama's safety is in jeopardy. As a result of vitriolic talk, and we've got this idiot Jesse Jackson to keep saying that AK-47 shots were fired in the White House, not at the White House, from an, a far more than a thousand meters away from the actual White House, and the range of an AK-47 is just about a thousand meters. I know that. So basically, no harm would have come to anyone, really. Maybe maybe a little, but certainly not fatal. The, max, the maximum effective range of an AK-47 is right around, at best, 1,200, 1200 meters. And the White House is far, far, far farther than that from where the fence is at any point. Anyway, we're done for the night. We'll get back to this tomorrow. We're certainly going to talk about this some more. So tune in tomorrow to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Thank you for listening. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. We out.